Yeah, I mean, I, even when I got hired at David Weekly, I, the project manager asked me like, what, what's my five-year or 10-year goal or something like that, you know? It sounds very cliche and maybe cheesy to people, but I wanna make impacts on people. So um, when somebody offered me a job, I don't take it as like, hey, they offered me a job. They, they offered me a opportunity to change the outcome of my life and to help my children and help my children's children. That's like how serious I take it. So even when it comes to training somebody, when I was training people at Pulte, like I told them like, dude, I'm telling you, if you listen to me, you will max out your bonuses, you will make stupid money and your life's gonna be awesome. And it sounds kind of maybe conceited or arrogant, but it's, I'm just, the only reason I do that is because I care about that person being successful. I don't... Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome back to the CN Mentors Podcast. My name is Matt Graves, my co-host each week's Kyle Grandel. What's up this week, Kyle? Hey Matt, I'm uh, just finishing up with the holiday weekend. I'm a little tired. I'm not gonna lie. It was a good weekend though, but uh, yeah, no, just just recovering. How about you? Yeah, about the same. Um, you're back in the, at least the virtual office this week. You out of the campground or what? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm back in Minnesota. Uh, yeah. That's where I was. I was up up north camping for the weekend. Had a good time. Hung out in the lake for a bit. Uh, had some fires, s'mores, a whole bit. Yeah, it's a good time, man. It's great Labor Day. How about you? That's awesome. Yeah, we uh we try to do a bunch of stuff. It was hot. We finally got a, a drop of rain yesterday. That was kind of cool. <laughs> Other than that, it's been hot. A whole drop. Stuff. A little storm came through, so it was good. It knocked it down Sweet. from well, 105 degrees down to 101 degree, I think. So nice. Well, hey, as per usual, I got a storm rolling through right now. So it's <laughs> gonna be a good time. So when you disappear, we know you got wiped out, and then we'll just keep going. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, we will. Anyway, hey, this week's guest is Seth Gale, and he's got a um, he's kind of came up through the military, uh, and he joined the construction industry, and um, he's got a pretty uh, I would say inspiring story to tell. I saw he, he kind of gave a, a story on LinkedIn, and um, we were connected through um, I guess through LinkedIn, and um, anyway, he was highly referred to be on the podcast. So welcome, Seth. Thank you, guys. Appreciate You're welcome. It. Thank you. So for the people who don't know, I guess, your story, your background, or um, I know you could probably just do a, an hour monologue on your whole background, but uh, just the, the short version, uh, tell your background a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I could, uh, I could talk forever about this, and, and I have. So, um, yeah, I grew up um, in Ohio, whatever, joined, uh, I joined the Army when I was 17 in high school, uh, back then, I don't know if you can still do it, but you could go to basic between your junior and senior year. So I did that, um, came back, uh, my senior finished up high school, went and did some more training, and then I started college the first time uh, up in Columbus, Ohio. And so uh, things weren't kind of going very well. Um, I was kind of making some dumb mistakes and spending all my money and all that. So I ended up going active duty. And when I went active duty, um, that was about 2015. And then I, I was joined the infantry. So I was at Fort Stewart, Georgia, then went to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I served there until about 2020, 2020 is when I left. And then I was officially out in February of 2021. So in total, I think I did eight years um, between the active and reserves. Active was maybe like five or six of that. Um, and then uh, once when I was getting out of the army, I uh, actually took a course there's a lot of resources out there now for veterans, but I took a course for carpentry and electrical that was paid for by the Home Builders Institute, and uh, which was mostly funded through Home Depot and the Home Depot Foundation. Um, so I took that course and uh, and it took some other things. I was kind of really capitalizing on everything that they do for veterans, and and, and doing all that kind of LinkedIn popped up, and I know now it's required that you have a LinkedIn account for you to actually get out of the army. They will not let you out until you have created a LinkedIn account. Really? Yeah. So that was kind of coming up when I was getting out uh, because it's such a powerful tool. And, and so I thought it's crazy, but anyways, so I started using LinkedIn and I'm not a social media guru, but uh, I was kind of just trying to do what the experts were telling me to do. And it, it worked out. There was a uh, VP of construction for, uh, Pulte Group, one of the top builders in the country here in Atlanta, had actually reached out and gave me his personal number through a video that he saw that I posted on LinkedIn. Um, so I ended up working with uh, Pulte for a few years. Um, 
quickly jump to the top of their leaderboards. Uh, there, you know, there's like maybe 10 or 15 metrics that they measured you on. And then I, uh, yeah, I kind of, I've been building homes now for almost three years. It'll be three years in December. So. Did you kind of, were you intending to go the construction route or did you just kind of take that course? You just kind of like just found your way down that path or was it intentional? Uh, a little, a little intentional. I, my father-in-law is a local GC here in Atlanta. Um, very successful company. He's been doing it for over 20 years. So I actually was going to work for him, uh, initially. Um, but some things just didn't work out as far as, you know, salary and benefits and things like that go. So I ended up taking the job with Pulte, but I knew I was going to get into construction. And I, like I said, I intended on going with him. Um, and then as I kind of like dug into some of these programs that the, that the military offers for free, that you get all these certifications for free, I saw some project management things. Um, and then I stumbled across the HBI, the Home Builders Institute Carpentry and Electrical course. And so when I came across those, in that course, they interview, they have guys who come in and interview you and, and offer jobs and things like that. Um, but it's all like really entry level stuff. And I, um, not to sound like uppity or too too good for it, but I knew that like my days in the sun were over. Like I was like, I'm much more valuable than swinging a hammer. And if, you know, these people don't see it, that's fine. But I know that for myself and I know that for any veteran for who's been serving, I only served, you know, like I said, eight years. Some of these guys in my class were in for 10, 15, 20 years. And uh, if you can't, if you don't think that that guy knows how to lead a team or something after that, that much time uh, it's an insult. And so I kind of took it personally with these, some of these jobs that were coming in and these offers. And I, that's kind of what stemmed everything and kind of what went crazy. I wanted to get into project management I wanted to get into construction. I wanted to be a leader somewhere. And I also wanted to pave a way for veterans uh, specifically at that moment. So that's kind of what skyrocketed everything. So to answer your question uh, in a roundabout uh, way, uh, I knew I was going to get into construction. Um, but overall, project management was like my, my big thing. I started learning about that, and it was really interesting. Really interesting. Um, so, so would you say that Home Depot um, sponsored course is kind of what, you know, ultimately kind of steered you? I mean, there was that opportunity, took advantage of it, and then you were like, oh, this is great. Might as well, might as well keep going this direction. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah. The the Home Depot thing. Um, and I give them so much credit. They've done so much for me over the last few years. I've, I've done a lot of really cool things with Home Depot. Um, I went to the International Builder Show uh, where I received an award the chairman's award from the uh, uh, Home Builders Institute. I uh, did that in Vegas in January of this year. Last year, they, they sent me to the, the Chick-fil-A kickoff um, uh, for the Georgia-Oregon game, which was a lot of fun, and uh, got to go down on the field and everything. I was like the hometown hero or whatever. Uh, that was awesome. And then, and it's all just come from me like advocating for that program. And then I've told them, I mean, I message every single coordinator that I could find across the United States on LinkedIn. And I said, hey, if you knew anybody who needs help, here's my email. And I and I built like a word template of saying like, hey, here's the things that you can do for free as a veteran. And then like, here's some like low cost things you can do that will make you, you know, hopefully stand out. So, but that whole like Home Depot, whole HBI course, like just like set it off that. And there was a few other events that I attended. There was a, there was an event I attended that was only just to help veterans out, um, but they, they give you a uh, couple suits for free and then you got a headshot for free. And there was a lady there, Eliza uh, Delgado, who she was the one who told me, she like looked at my LinkedIn profile and said, okay, this looks good. Like this looks really good. And she's like, you know, what's going on? So I kind of gave her a little bit of my story and then she's like, oh, my gosh, she's like, you need to tell this like you need to start talking to everybody. And I'm like, I do love to talk, but I'm not like I said, I'm not a social media guru. And but I started doing it. I started posting videos on LinkedIn every day and it just man, it took off. And like all these guys were asking for help and I was helping guys with resumes. And that's when I got a lot of attention from like the Atlanta VP. And, but, yeah, I, I didn't know I was going to get into construction and that those like couple of uh, seminars and kind of things I went to when I was still in the army or really what set it off. 
there's a couple questions there. One, do you still have that Word doc? Is it still up to date? And are you still helping? I guess that was really targeted towards veterans coming out, right? Yes. Yes, I do have it. Um, I, I need a mess with it. I actually pulled it up last week because I was looking for a few things on the construction. Somebody had asked me about the project management stuff, so I pulled it up a couple weeks ago, maybe last week or two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, I need to update it, though. I could, I could okay. put a little bit better detail in there. So. Not school. People just messaging you on LinkedIn still and getting it from you. Is that type, kind of how it's working? Uh, I haven't gotten as much um, response lately. And well, and truthfully, when I got employed at Pulte, like I was still what I started doing once I got employed is I was reaching out directly to people. I would connect, and what I would do is like literally search like transitioning service member or something like that because that's a common title that guys will put in, mm -hmm. and then I would I would reach out to them directly, and I got a lot of guys hired probably somewhere around. 15 or so across the wow. United States. And uh, I mean, just here in Georgia, I probably recruited nearly 10 guys at Pulte. Um, not all of them were veterans, but uh, most of them were. Uh, so that was really cool. But when I got employed, I, I guess I was nervous about kind of saying the wrong thing while representing a company. Right. So I, I kind of stopped making videos. Um, I made a couple here and there. Um, but like I said, I just didn't want to some of the, you know, some of the big companies can get kind of weird with the social media thing. So I just didn't want to do anything wrong. Um, so. Gotcha. What kind of videos were you posting? Was it mostly stuff just helping those transitioning veterans coming out? Yep. Yeah. I was talking about like how to make your resume, how to make your resume stand out, how to explain your resume, how to explain your military service. Um, you know, how to get your PMP in three weeks, like four weeks, whatever I did. Um, <laughs> You know things like that uh i mean just all kinds of different things you know um how, how to interview i think that some of the one of the things that veterans have uh, more than most people is like critical thinking skills and i think critical thinking is hard to like quantify but you know a lot of veterans sometimes get a bad rap coming in because we have this like robot mentality sometimes or maybe it seems like that so I try to explain to guys like, man, you're a critical thinker. And if you can get that point across to somebody, that's a huge deal where you don't have to hold this guy's hand every day. He's going to go out and get things done and he's going to figure it out, you know? So that, that was, it was a lot of career things like that. And just how to, uh, yeah. market yourself, brand yourself. That's so cool, man. So the story that yeah, that's, oh, go ahead. Sorry. We have a little bit of a lag here, I think. So, uh, so, so Seth, that's some really good advice there about branding and kind of jumping off the page, showing the critical thinking skills. What, what other things have you been able to help with advice-wise that have been successful for getting getting transitioning veterans, uh, you know, placements and stuff like that? Yeah, the, um, a lot of it was just being relentless. Like, it sounds very cliche. But guys would reach out to me and ask me, like, how, like, dude, how did you do this? And I would tell a man, like, I'm not kidding you. I, for about three or four months, because when you're getting out, it's kind of scary. And for three or four months, I literally was on LinkedIn every single night. And I would just type in Atlanta construction and, like, filter it. <laughs> every single person who had anything to do with construction, I would just connect, 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 connect. And then I messaged every single one of them. And I said, hey, like, here's who I am. And I kind of started to tailor the message a little bit as I would get responses or not, you know, wouldn't get any responses. Um, but I probably messaged three or 400 people over the course of like three months. Like, I mean, every single night, man, it was just like, and I typed every message out. It wasn't a copy and a paste. And so, so that is just my relentless like nature of like, I have to get out, get my name out here. I have to, the number one way to get anywhere is through connections. Um, you can apply. And I, I applied like, three times to place it. And I was like, all right, I'm done. Like this whole application process takes forever. The resume updating takes forever. I'm going to reach out and until I get an internal connection. And once I get somebody who wants to talk to me, then I'll use them to get in somewhere. And that's what I did. So that's what I tell guys. Um, that was like a lot of my stories and it, it, you know, I don't know if it sounds false or make believe, or like I'm kind of like hiding something, but that's really what I was doing and was just relentlessly uh, getting my name out there. I started, and I started talking about making videos. Um, if an employer looks at my LinkedIn page, there's videos of me talking so they can actually see how I talk, 
uh, how I act, how what my voice sounds like, and kind of how I carry myself, which probably doesn't sound like a big deal, but if you're going to hire somebody and you yeah. pull up their, that's one thing to do. They always check your social media. They always check your Facebook, your Instagram, things like that. And so if you're going to put things on there, it better be good. And so <laughs> I would put these videos of me talking and these guys, and I, I know people look at him and they're probably like, okay, he, he sounds educated and he sounds like he can put a, put, you know, a sentence together. So that was a lot of just that, like building your brand was really big and it still is on LinkedIn. Um, and that's kind of what I was trying to do. It's funny. I go back and look at my old videos. I went back and looked at one of them and I was like, man, I sounded like a little like crazy person, uh, you know, in some of those videos, um, where I was like, yeah, I probably could have, but it's, but it's fine. I mean, I, I was new to it, you know, so I was kind of still learning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to do for everybody. Just try, I just try to pave a path, man. Like I, I did something great. And all I'm trying to do is just get other people on that same path. Definitely. So when you're yeah. doing those videos and you're, you know, you're showing your leadership skills too, right? You're showing the world that you're out there trying to help, you know, other yeah. people and stuff. So I think I'm surprised it took you 300 messages all the time to get, to get responses. You know what I mean? Cause um, what I've seen in, in the construction industry since I've kind of been doing all this stuff is there's a lot of eager people out there eager to help the construction industry. They're just waiting for somebody to kind of reach out to them. So yeah. it kind of surprises me that there's it took you <laughs> took you that much hustling to get your name out there, but that's awesome though. I'm, well done, I'm not giving up. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I just went and spoke at this nonprofit event <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, and uh, one of the students after I gave my whole like speech, she had told me, you know, I I kind of gone to job sites because part of my advice was like if I was in your shoes right now and I I just for some reason could not get an in anywhere. I would drive up to a neighborhood and I just start walking around like, Hey man, who's, who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to, who needs to see my resume? Can I ride with somebody for, if somebody walked in my neighborhood and said, can I ride with you for a day and see what you do? I'd be like, do get in. Like <laughs> it, it just takes, everybody can sit behind the keyboard and like application, 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 but it takes some serious, um, you know, courage to put up, put on some nice clothes and show up at the front door. Like I want in, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what I was kind of telling this. And the student had told me that, you know, she, felt like she was being turned down because she's a female or this or that. And I said, well, it doesn't, fr- frankly, it doesn't matter why you were turned down. You were turned down. So you can sit here and kind of debate why you were turned down, or you can just go and do something about it. And I, you know, I wasn't trying to be rude, but it's just, that's it. So I said, you have to keep knocking. Like, it's just like a door to door sales job. You're going to get told a hundred times. No, yeah. all it takes is one. Yes. And that's all it took for me. So. So I don't know the best way to, to, to lead in the next part, but definitely, I mean, you were telling me the last time we talked that, you know, kind of you had like sort of a rough upbringing and kind of, you know, you kind of made some mistakes along the way and all that sort of stuff. But construction has definitely been a thing. The construction industry has really sort of given you a life that you maybe didn't expect or just maybe more than you ever thought was impossible or something like that. So I don't really know the best way to, to, to go into this next part, but do you want to expand a little bit more kind of on your story or? Um, or what really, you know, that one lady that said, man, you got to get out there and tell everybody your story and tell everybody how sort of great the industry is and all these sort of things. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, I think I might've told that lady I was in the process of either writing a book or I was going to start writing a book. And that's when she was like, well, you know, kind of tell me more. And I kind of elaborated a little bit. I don't really recall the entire conversation, but I am in the process of writing a book now and I don't know how far I am. I I don't know, maybe 15,000 words or something like that, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty typical like rags to riches kind of story. And I actually went and I I went and saw Eric Thomas. He's a motivational speaker. He's like number one in the world. Mm -hmm. If you haven't haven't seen him, look him up. He's awesome. But I went and saw him in Atlanta a couple weeks ago for free. And one of the things he talked about was nobody's going to respect you until you get some giants on your resume. And uh, he talks about David and Goliath and he kind of spun the story in, in a way that uh, his damn fly, dude. Uh, <laughs> he kind of spun the story in a way that I've never heard it before. But anyways, he talks about getting giants on your resume <clears throat> and he's, you know, you're going to have to accomplish some things before somebody's going to uh, respect you um, or, or even like your story. So for example, if you got up and you gave a speech and you said, you know, Hey, I can't, my parents both made, millions of dollars and that's how i got successful today like nobody's gonna 
it's like, dude, like, all right, man, get off. Like, we don't care to hear that. Right. That's great for you, but it doesn't help anybody. And so I knew as a young kid, I was just talking to somebody else about this the other day. I knew as a young kid, maybe when I was probably 10 or 11 or 12, that I wanted to get up and talk to people one day because of everything I had been through in my first 12 years of life was more than most people could even fathom. Like, it's hard to imagine like what I went through as a, as a young kid. Um, and it, it almost sounds, it almost sounds like made up. Like it almost sounds like I'm one upping somebody just cause it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense and it's pretty crazy. So um, when I told this lady that that's when she was like, this is awesome. Like you're, you know, you've got a crazy story to tell and based on what you're doing now, like you are going to be successful. And so, yeah, I grew up in, in Ohio with a single mother, three, she was raising three kids. She had us at 17, 18, 19, I think, or 16, 17, 18, one of those two, um, had us all back to back years. Um, uh, she did pretty well. I'd say my mom did pretty well for the first probably six, seven years or so, um, as best as she could with three kids. But I, I mean, I remember being in kindergarten and, and coming home and I never had, a, my father was never in my life, but, uh, you know, I remember being in kindergarten, coming home with my sisters and we would, we'd get the house ready. We'd do our chores. We would, uh, cook our food and everything. I mean, I was in kindergarten when we were taking care of ourselves at a young age because she was at work all day. So she could be with us at night. Um, you know, and so we grew up pretty fast taking care of ourselves and that's pretty like outlandish today. Like it's pretty crazy to think about a kindergartner being at home by themselves or whatever. I got kindergartners. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I'm saying my daughter's five. I mean, I couldn't like, it's funny. I tell my wife, I'm like, she could do these things. Like just so you know, she could. <laughs> I did it. And I don't, you know, I don't want her to do it. I don't want to put her in that situation, but kids are resilient. So they are. Um, but yeah. So like my, you know, my first experience ever, like I have pictures of me and my dad when I was maybe like one or two, but my first my first memory of my father is is going to meet him in jail, and I, and it's actually like this is kind of put this in my book, is that you know I, I remember being excited. I'm, I was probably seven or eight maybe, and I remember being excited to like go see my dad, and it was at like a jail, you know. And I saw mm -hmm. him. I can see it today. Like you're in these like little cubicles, and he comes in. There's this plexiglass, and you know he sits down, and I just I broke down in tears because it was an emotional time. So I broke down and. I barely talk, got to talk to him just because I couldn't stop crying. And then he went away. And then, you know, I saw him occasionally throughout the rest of my life. Um, you know, I'm 29, just turned 29. I, I've probably seen him, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 times. So um, <clears throat> to kind of put some things in perspective, you know, it's tough growing up with a single mother. It's tough growing up without a father. Uh, but then my mom got kind of got into some, some, you know, she got into drugs and then, there was abuse and just, it was, it was a violent place. We were young kids and we were getting bounced around from house to house. She couldn't take care of us. So we'd live with like kind of random people or uh, friends and, you know, we we're kind of bouncing around. And then uh, when, when I was 12, that's when, you know, everything kind of finally fell into place and for lack of a better term, she got arrested. And, um, you know, I remember being 12 years old and seeing her like in the, through the window of the police car and she's getting pulled away and me and my two sisters are at the house like crying and you know and um my sisters kind of went i don't even know what happened they went one way and i went another and over the course of like four to six months i was kind of like living with random people i was 12 years old i was go i was waking up going to school getting my homework done finding a way to eat there was people kind of taking care of me and then around christmas my grandparents well, my mom actually called me and told me she was going to come and get me. And I was living with my a couple of friends that I knew. And at 12 years old, once again, I had to tell my mom probably hard. One of the hardest days of my life was telling her, you know, I, I, uh, I don't want to live with you anymore. And that was, dude, I mean, that was like crazy. So she yelled at me on the phone, like, I want to come and get you this and that. And I said, no, I don't want to live with you. So I asked this family to adopt me. And so they were going to do it. And then somehow my grandparents caught wind of that. And um, they came and picked me up and they said, look, if, you, if anybody's going to be able to adopt you, it's going to be us. And I was, you know, I was okay with that. My grandparents, they weren't rich, but they, they had two cars and they had a house <laughs> and so, and they had snacks. And so to me, I was like, man, <laughs> you made first, it. yeah, dude. Like I remember when I first, one of the first few nights I was living with my grandparents, I'd asked if I could eat some food and my grandma looked at me like, 
like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, go, you know, what do you want? But that's what I grew up with was we couldn't just eat whenever because we didn't have anything. So if you ate, you wouldn't eat tomorrow, you know, that kind of thing. So um, it's crazy, man. But so that was like my whole like rags to riches kind of situation. I moved into my grandparents and at 12 years old, I, I even treated them bad because to me, like I was an adult, like I, there was nothing you could tell me. I was a young little, uh, I was just mean and I had a chip on my shoulder. And so it took them a while to kind of square me away. And I was going through some things over the course of living with them. Um, you know, but I always knew, like, even as a young kid, like I always seen all the drugs around and like, you know, it's kind of crazy too. Like my mom would smoke, they, they would smoke in the living room and my sisters who were 10 and 11 would be in a living room with adults, like passing a blunt, like around the living room. And so like, to me, I was like, like, nah, man, like this, I don't know what it was, man. When I was young though, I just knew I would go do something else in my yeah. life. And so, you know, joined the army and that was kind of my first experience kind of going out and kind of doing my thing. And then, uh, you know, my grandparents moved to Florida. I was in Ohio in college and then I, I knew I needed to go active duty. So I did that. Um, and then it took, I met my wife and had my daughter and probably about six months before my daughter was born. Um, I think I was, she's five now. So that was about 23 years old. Um, that's really when like things just clicked. My daughter was about six, about three, six months away. And I just completely started reading books, started teaching myself about money and just turn my entire life around. So, um, and then to follow up on all that, like, you know, I got out, got out of the army, got into construction, never as a kid, never thought I'd be in construction. I thought I'd be a Ohio state running back, but <laughs> happen. so I got into construction and, um, the typical like construction mentality is that, you know, you're going to work all day in the sun, swinging a hammer and make a dollar a day, you know? And, um, uh, it's, I've always told everybody, I'm like, dude, this job is awesome. Everything I do is awesome, man. The, the money is crazy. The potential is crazy. Um, you know, and, and like just the connections that you make with people, if you're a good construction manager, you, you have good trade partners and those good trade partners will take care of you. They'll make your life easy, blah, blah, blah. And, um, so it's been very the last three years. I was just thinking about this again. The other day it was like, it's been surreal of all the things I've done through construction um it's just been crazy man it's been a crazy journey just these last three years has been crazy but to combine it with everything prior it's like you know i i don't know man i don't even like can't even put words to it you know so when i went to vegas and i like sometimes i like look at my wife and i'm like i'm like man i don't know how the hell i got here <laughs> we went to the georgia oregon game and we're down there on the field after halftime i'm like looking around like dude like I know as a kid, man, I always wanted to go to like these big games and it just, so it's been really rewarding, man. It's been a, it's been a crazy journey. Wow. That's, that's, so cool, man. that's an amazing story. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, hopefully I can continue to spread the word and, and inspire people. Well, it definitely is an inspirational story. And I mean, I, obviously from that, I mean, that, that must be where your passion comes from and why you're, you're, you know, you're so persistent and relentless, as you said, and, um, you know, trying to make the difference, get the word out there, get everybody in so they can, they can enjoy the way you've enjoyed it too. That's, that's fantastic. Yep. So, I mean, a lot of it, it seems like a lot of it came from really you hustling. I mean, whether you're sending, you know, spending all night sending LinkedIn messages or, um, you know, you built it. I mean, it is the industry, and that's what I try to tell people is like the industry, like there's no ceiling, right? You can go as high as you want to go, but no one's just going to straight give it to you either, right? You definitely got to put in the effort. You got to put in the work. You got to hustle. You got to work your ass off. You got to give a damn. Um, it's like, you know, I've seen that much times. Like the guys that give the damn are really trying and really putting in the effort. Those guys go a long ways for girls or guys, whatever you want to say. I mean, they just, the sky's the limit on their availability or their, you know, their, their ceiling. Um, you said something a minute ago. You said like you got your PMP in like three weeks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, I couldn't get my PMP, but I was PMP test ready in about three or four weeks. Yeah. When I, 
so there's a course through Syracuse University, I believe, is who who like runs it. But there's a there's a course. It's a award opportunity. It's for veterans. Uh, you can take it anytime if you're within six months of getting out, or anytime after. But you can only take the course one time, and your spouse can also take it. It's probably the best program the Army offers. Um, but there's like PMP, <clears throat> Capum, all kinds of Lean Six stuff, um, a ton of IT certifications. And so that's what a lot of people use it for is either project management or IT, so something along those lines. It's probably the best program because even if you just take one, you have unlimited access to their entire library for like two years. That's and cool. it's all free, except um, you only get one test covered. So like if I took my PMP, but I could go and do all these other ones and get all these other um get all the curriculum done and I just have to pay for the test. So, but yeah, I, uh, it's funny. I was on a call and this is just like very typical of me. Uh, somebody said I couldn't, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, it takes six months to a year or something like that to, or four to six months to, to do it. And then you get another six months to test out. They told me the curriculum takes like four to six months and then you get six more months to test out. I think is what it is. And so I'm like, I'm like, dude, I ain't got four to six months, man. I got like, <laughs> I give you about three weeks, you know, and I'll be ready to go. And uh, I asked her on the call in front of like 20 other students on the call. And I said, you know, uh, if I'm ready in three weeks and I take this in three weeks, like three or four weeks, or is there, are you guys gonna, like not going to let me take it? And I wasn't trying to be like cocky or arrogant, but in the past with college and high school and all that, I was always, I always had a reputation for being the first one done. And my teachers would always kind of kick me back and say, nope, you got 10 more minutes or another hour or two more hours before you're allowed to turn it in. And I was done. So I would just sit there and stare at them like, I'm not touching this test. I'm done. <laughs> and, um, and so that's just how I am. So anyways, I, I asked them and then she said, uh, no, she's like, yeah, if you think you're going to be ready. And they kind of laughed about it. I was like, OK. So then, you know, I started doing the coursework and way that the course is structured it just wasn't for me so i kind of skipped all the coursework and i went to the tests and i did the all the tests there's like 30 of them that you have to take i did them all open book style until i could pass them all without a problem and that took me about two or three days um and then i i actually built this whole like template out on how to do this um and then i started taking the practice test <clears throat> i found two or three of them um i found the most realistic one <clears throat> and I started sharing that with everybody and I started taking that test repeatedly. Uh, and then when I took a, once I was done with everything, you take a class to do the application. And when I did the application part, I found out that I was probably three to six months shy on experience. Okay. And I was already like fluffing my, my experience <laughs> was so like to push like three more months or six more months and then get audited. Like I, I didn't want to get, I just didn't want to get kicked back. And, and, yeah. and, you know, so anyways, I got to cap them instead unfortunately, uh, which is actually harder in my opinion, because it's more technical versus the PMP is very hypothetical. So like if you can kind of just understand what they're asking and uh, what the key words are in the question, you can you can get the questions right. Because um, I think we talked about this, like really you have to do every step. Like they always they ask a question, there's four answers, like all, the, all four answers are right, mm -hmm. but which one is most right? That's the most right answer. Like, exactly yeah so that's how the pmp is um but the course though i'll give you an example and they'll say what do you do first you're looking at them all it's like i can do all four of these it doesn't matter which one i do first it's like, i gotta get them all done but yeah exactly. do one first yeah yeah so uh so that the pmp once like like i said once you got the test down it was pretty easy but i had to go do the captain instead um which is fine i, I will graduate college in 21 days and then I will go and chase my my PMP after that. You gonna study? You're all studied. You already did your three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll probably do the practice test a few times to see why see where I'm at, and then uh, go for it. So that's awesome. Where you yeah. going? You wearing a are you wearing a Georgia shirt? Is that where you going to school? No, uh, I'm. I, I got this shirt because of the Georgia Oregon game. Oh, okay. Uh, one Home Depot. I wanted to wear my Buckeye jersey down there, but they're like, no, you need to either wear <laughs> So I got this instead. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my degree on an online school in down in Florida, Everglades University. You're like construction management or something? Yep, yep. I'll have my bachelor's of science and construction management. That's cool, man. Yeah. Is it a, like 100% online type thing, yeah. like self-paced or? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, uh, you do one class a month. 
okay. and then you just do it all year. So it turns out to basically be the same. You can do it in four years, just like a typical college because you don't take summers off. Mm -hmm. You get a couple of weeks in the winter and like two weeks spring break or something like that. Yep. Um, but it's it's very easy. So that's awesome, man. Well, <laughs> first first of all, I just got to say, go Big Ten. Um, yeah. And then sec second of all, uh, what would you say are some of the things that have been really really good for you as far as you know what's led to your success and especially in construction? Yeah, man. the The number one most important thing is probably just being an excellent communicator, uh, which, so there's two things I would say. One is being a, a great communicator, and then two, which I'm learning recently and trying to implement daily, is uh, not, not forcing other people to run your race. And so I'll talk about the communication part first. Uh, I'm the kind of person that if you text me or email me, I will probably respond uh, before you put your phone down and as a uh when i when i when i was new in the home building industry you know it's a like construction is very much customer service like uh i'm not the smartest guy i've never built anything and my title is a builder I'm, i've never built anything in my life i built a couple end tables and that was and i messed that up so, <laughs> you know i'm not this like construction trade skill guy like i'm not super savvy with tools or nothing like that but i know how to get people to to do what I need them to do. And um, whether it's a trade partner or a customer or my coworkers or my boss or anybody else. So, you know, when I started at Pulte, being an excellent communicator, and that comes from the army of like acknowledging things. So, and that's one thing in the, in the civilian world I, I still cannot grasp is that when somebody sends a text to you or a message or an email, it doesn't get acknowledged. It's just like, you know, so I'm like, I'll send out a text and I'm like, hey, like acknowledge, you know, so and every time somebody texts me, I'm, OK, got it or I acknowledged or something received um, because it's just that's a good communication practice. And that's what the Army does, because if you don't, you know, they're going to show up at your front door like, hey, man, you're alive. You know, so anyways, <laughs> um, being a great communicator. But even when I talk to my customers, my customers could email me and I would just respond right away. If I didn't have the answer, I would tell them, hey, I received your email. I'll work on this today or tomorrow, you know, and, and I get back to them. Same thing internally. If anybody messages you internally, it's probably something serious and it needs addressed immediately. So I know I got a lot of respect for constantly communicating um, and just being a great communicator. I actually ended up, they, they picked me to teach the uh, effective communication course to the entire division at Pulte Group here in Georgia um, because of that. So, you know, we, we always got surveyed on every home. I had perfect surveys through like 40 some surveys, which is kind of unheard of. And, um, and all of them. Is that by the, by the owner, the homeowner? Was that's correct. Name? Yep. Yeah. A couple days after closing customer would fill out a survey and, um, yeah, there's, you know, a bunch of metrics on there, but I always got, there's 15 questions and on 43 straight surveys, I got 10 out of 10 on everything. Um, awesome. which like nobody did that. Nobody got close to it. And so, but I, the, I mean, I told people I was going to do it and then I did it. And I, not to be arrogant or cocky or nothing, but it's just like I, I did it, and then I like I put the manual out there. Like people asked me, even the VP asked me, how how are you doing this? And I think it got to the point. I'm not gonna, I, I can't validate this, but I do believe that there was probably some people questioning my ethics behind like the surveys. Like, was I paying for these or something? I, I, There's a hundred bucks. Give me all tens. Yeah, dude. but I, I mean, I, you know, I was just, I did everything I could to communicate with my customers and even my trade partners. When I left Pulte, I thought I was a problem for a minute. Um, but a lot of my trade partners actually reached out to me and they're like, man, like, you know, you were doing really well. Um, so the communication part <clears throat> is definitely the most important part. Running your own race, um, something maybe not a lot of people can relate to, but uh, when I say I'm like relentless, I, I cannot understand why you would not want to be the best at anything you do. And so when, with that comes, uh, you know, we'll be in a meeting and somebody will say, you know, Seth, when are you going to close this house? And I'll say September and somebody else, Hey, when are you going to close this house? And they'll say October and their house is three weeks ahead of mine. And they'll say, well, wait a minute. Like why is his closing in September and yours is in October? If you know, you're ahead of the schedule, blah, blah, blah. And, um, 
you know, so I, I would try to tell people like, hey, man, you can do this to kind of speed things up or, you know, you shouldn't be giving them this much time or this is how I do things for really, really fast um, or even just earning surveys, uh, making customers happy, just just being an all around relentless person. Um, when somebody is not doing that, for me, I took it like personally, like the old Michael Jordan or the, the documentary yeah. where he's like, he's trying to win championships. And for somebody to show up and not want to do it with him, it's like, dude, like, like, what do you mean? Like, why do you not want to be the best? And some people just aren't wired like that. And so as a, hopefully a future leader in the construction industry, I've got to understand that as well, that some people, you know, they're just, they're okay with being a construction manager or a builder for their entire career. Other people like myself, I want to move up and I want to lead generations and people and make impacts. Um, so that, that those two things, because if you don't, there's a book by Tim Grover, it's called Relentless, and he talks about Michael Jordan's mentality and Kobe Bryant's mentality. And one of the things that they got a lot of, uh, I guess, hate from was they were so driven and they had like this dark side and, they, and, and Tim Grover says everybody has a dark side. You just have to find out where it's at and how to use it. But the bad thing is, is that you can get not learning how to turn it off. And so that's my problem is that sometimes I have a problem turning it off where somebody's not doing something that, you know, it's like, man, I've told you what to do, told you how to do it. Um, so learning how to be a leader is very important. Learning how to, everybody's running their own speed and, and you know, you're going to have a builders and you're going to have B builders and C guys, and you can't force the C guys to do what the A guys are doing. It's just not going to work. They're going to quit. And I think that that's one of the things that I've learned. Um, and I'm, I, I am implementing that in my life now personally and professionally. Yeah. Wow. Really, really good stuff there. Um, run your own race. That's awesome. Um, I don't know that I've heard that one put that way before, but I, I, I couldn't agree more, man. That's, that's great. And you got some really good insight there working with a team and leading a team. It's, it's different. It's challenging. Everybody is different. And right. even if you, even in the same way to do something, they might find a different way to do it. And it's, it's, you know, sometimes you're like, well, it's not the way I would do it, but Hey, it gets the job done. So I guess it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's tricky. Um, you know, especially when the proof is in the pudding, it's like, look guys, like this works. I've done this 40 times in a row. Like it works, you know? So, um, but yeah, you're right. You just gotta let, you gotta let people, if you force yourself, if you force it on people, they get, you know, um, resentment or, you know, they just, they just don't want to do it. So. I like that. I mean, that's something I think anybody who's, you know, aspiring to be a leader or is a leader, that's something they struggle with because you always come up sort of through the ranks doing it your way. Right. And you, you got to where you are by doing it your way or, you know, you doing it. So then you're wanting to help other people get to where you are. And it's like the same thing. It's like, this is how you do it. And they go do something differently. They got to put their own flavor on it. And it's like, it can be frustrating. Right. But like they may, may or may not get the same results you got, but sometimes they need to do it their own way and learn from their own mistakes. And as a leader, you can't necessarily like rub their nose in it, you know, like, no, you're doing it wrong. Do it this way. <laughs> it can be hard. It can be hard at times. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing about that is I was just talking to my project manager about this a couple weeks ago, because I was having this thing in my head and much like Michael Jordan did and, they would like if you there was any sense of doubt on your performance it's like okay i'm going to show you why you don't doubt me and i'm not like a professional athlete i'm not on michael jordan's level but that's it's very similar in that thinking but um when i when i joined pulte i asked the vp construction i said what do i need to do to be successful and he said well i don't know he said you need to message the top three guys on the leaderboard and ask them um <laughs> because in that job currently. And so I said, okay. And I'm the kind of person, like I'm telling you, if, if, if you two told me to do something, it's like, hey, man, if you do this, this, this is going to work for you. I would go and do it, like right now. And so he told me that my first day on the job, man, I, the leaderboard popped out that Friday, and I messaged the top three guys. I emailed them, and I said, hey, man, what are your practices, blah, blah, blah. And the one guy, you know, actually all three of them responded back, and they all you know, gave me some great pointers. And so I did it. I did exactly what they told me to do and it was, and I was successful. And so when I tell other people to do something, I was just talking to my project manager about this. Uh, I trained about four or five guys at Pulte and 
uh, th three of them at the same time were in the top like 50 on the national leaderboard, which is really hard to do. Um, there's over a thousand construction managers for Pulte nationwide. And uh, four of us were in the top 50. Three of those guys were guys that I trained and they were doing exactly what I told them to do. And, um, and we worked as a team as well. We worked relentlessly as a team. Anytime anybody needed anything, we worked together. But so that's part of my, my problem is that sometimes when I tell somebody to do something or I'm, I'm trying to coach them through something, they'll ask me for advice and I tell them and they don't do it. And my project manager asked me, he's like, well, you know, he's like, well, what would you do if I told you to do something? And I'm like, I'm not kidding you. I would do it. Like, if you told me this is what I had to do, I would do it. Like I have a blind, I, I think it's good to have blind faith in people, mm -hmm. um, the right people. And uh, people you can trust. Yeah. You know, that's one thing that a lot of people don't, don't do. And that's one thing I learned in the military is that, Hey man, I need you to go behind. I need you to you know, go to this wall. I need you to move to this tree. It's not like, why, why do I need to move the tree? It's just move. And when we're done with this exercise, then we can talk about why we made this decision. Was it right or wrong? But at the time, I, I need you to have some blind faith in me and just execute, just do what I'm telling you to do. When we're done, I promise you, I'll explain it to you. That's, so that was one thing that that's that's hard for me to understand is that when I when somebody asks me for help and I tell them they don't follow through, you know. I'm do you think like, you got that mindset from the military, or do you think you had that just built in naturally? Uh, the army definitely put that in my head because when I, everybody joins the army and they want to fix the machine, but it's a machine and wheels <laughs> turn and they've been turning for a long time and so if you try to jump in there and fix it you're not going to fix nothing you're just going to bring up in the machine so what i had to learn was my old platoon sergeant sergeant mcveigh i can thank that guy for this but he told me about blind faith and just don't try and fix the machine just listen it, it's it's implemented for a reason i think i got you off what you're saying but no well, no no you're you, yeah no that's it's right on path, man. So, I mean, obviously you have higher aspirations than the construction manager, right? You, yeah. Where you want to go with your career. So I'm just, if you're looking into your crystal ball and, you know, you're thinking like, what do I have to do next to get the next step and the next step and the next step? Like, What's your, what's your roadmap look like? Man, that's a good one. Uh, you know, I know I'm getting my degree. Um, so that's going to obviously make an impact. And then, the PMP, that's good too, but just, I guess I just need the experience. Um, just, you know, I have to just stay consistent and keep performing and keep staying at the top. Once you get to the top, getting to the top is pretty easy, but staying up there is, is tough and being just being consistent. Um, but then also more importantly, just making impacts on people. You know, the more people that I impact, uh, it'll come back around for me so a position will open up something will open up and um i'll take a promotion or or i'll move up within the company or you know something along those lines um i mean i've told the people that i work with i told my my project managers like hey, i'm getting my degree what do i need to do next and and their answers were just keep keep working your ass off keep working your ass off and the opportunities will come and so that's part of the construction thing that a lot of people get hung up on is like, it does take time to move up, but it's just stay the course, man. You're good. Just, just keep trucking. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, even when I got hired at David weekly, I, the project manager asked me like, what, what's my five year or 10 year goal or something like that. You know, it sounds very cliche and maybe cheesy to people, but I want to make impacts on people. So, um, when somebody offered me a job, I don't take it as like, hey, they offered me a job. They they offered me a opportunity to change the outcome of my life and to help my children and help my children's children. That's like how serious I take it. So even when it comes to training somebody, when I was training people at Pulte, like I told them, like, dude, I'm telling you, if you listen to me, you will max out your bonuses. You will make stupid money and your life's going to be awesome. And it sounds kind of maybe conceited or arrogant, but it's, I'm just... The only reason I do that is because I care about that person being successful. I don't get anything if he performs well. Like I don't get anything out of it. I don't make the money off of him. So if he performs well, that's good for him. And that's what I want to see. I want to see people who are like, oh my, because I know what it feels like to be given that opportunity and be like, man, I listen to this guy and I'm on top of the world right now. 
And so I want other people to experience that feeling. And, you know, the higher you are in a company, the more opportunities you have to impact people. And that's how I look at it. Really don't care too much about the money. There's some numbers out there. There's some, there's some studies out there that say once you make X amount of money, your quality of life doesn't improve. It actually gets worse at some point, whatever. So I, I personally, I don't really care about the money. I just want to make impacts on people. And I want those impacts to, you know, if I can change one person, he can change another. And it just keeps going down the road, you know, so. That's kind of the uh, Jesse Hernandez and uh, Jen, Jesse and Jen, they always talk about ripples of impact. Yeah. It's kind of that, you know, you make one impact and it just kind of keeps going and going and going and going. And, you know, that's kind of the, that's why I think, I, I mean, I really vibe with what you're saying is because that's kind of what we started this whole thing was, was just trying to help people, right? Just trying to help spread some words, spread some messages, try to get, you know, some knowledge out there, help kind of the next generation coming up. And, um, and obviously you, you started doing all that too, you know, when you first started on LinkedIn and making all those videos and just trying to help, you know, the next service member coming out, just here, this is what I did. You do that and you'll be, you'll be successful too. So yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's exhausting and it's hard. And I think maybe back to Kyle's kind of thing. You know, I talked about communication and then uh, running your own race. But then also at some point you're going to like if you really want to be successful and you really want to take over, like you're going to have to like knuckle down and grind. And it's just like that is the most like <laughs> at the end of the day, man, you are going to have to work. It is not going to be easy. And there's a speech that like Eric Thomas gives, man, and it fires me up. And it's just about, you know, you want to outwork me. And there's a thousand other people that want what you want. So what are you going to do to beat them? There's only one thing you can do, and that's outwork them. Mm-hmm. And, man, I, I'll, I'll tell you real quick. When I was at Pulte, I, I was the construction manager rookie of the year at the end of the first year. And I had the best numbers out of everybody. There was nobody who, who, who competed with me. There was one guy who was close, but he was about three, four surveys short of me. And... Um, he got the rookie. He got the construction manager of the year award. I got the rookie award. So when you look at my jacket, it says rookie of the year, not construction manager of the year. So it would you would assume that oh he was the best rookie, not not the best construction manager of the year. And so to me, I took it personally, and I was like, dude, what did he do that was better than me? And I you know he didn't get anything for the award other than a North Face jacket. But I asked him what did he do, and he, they said well he dressed he dressed well he didn't really do anything better than you. But if there's one thing he dressed better than you. So that that weekend I went to uh, the mall and I bought like five hundred dollars in polos, like, <laughs> and I was like, all right, I was like, well, here we go, you know. So um, you're just gonna have to work hard. Like, doesn't matter what you do, what credentials you have, you're gonna have to work your ass off no matter where you go if you want to be that successful. So that's the tough part. Well, that's a really interesting point there too, Seth, is that there's a lot of things, especially as you you climb the ranks and as you're kind of dealing from from that that higher level, um, there's a lot of expectations and a lot of those little details can matter. Like somebody somebody that's going to do business with you, if you're wearing the polo versus just wearing a t-shirt like I'm wearing, I mean, they might look at you a little differently and they might not take you as seriously or, you know, they might not see you as credible. So there's a lot of good wisdom there too. Dude, I, oh my goodness, man. Yes. So like, I, I, I'm very particular about my hair and that's probably the army doing that. I, you know, my hair has to be clean. If I have a, I, I, my attempt at a beard is, is like this, like Amish thing. <laughs> I keep it clean. Uh, but yeah, when that, when that, when I first started, I was like, oh yeah, man, my shirt's dirty. My pants are dirty. My boots are dirty. I'm getting after it. Yeah. And construction was like, dude, he's like, I don't pay you to work. I pay you to get other people to work. And, and, you know, get jobs done. If you're doing the work, like we're wasting money somewhere. And so, and when I met that, and like now, like I'll show up to work in polos and like button downs and dress clothes and I look really nice. And the customers, well, they assume I'm a salesperson. And I'm like, no, I'm on the construction side. And then, so it's always like a really welcoming thing to see somebody who really cares about their appearance. And then even the trade, there's no question when I get out of my car, who's in charge. And that was one thing that really struck a nerve with me is that there's just no question. So, um any any event we do i always dress you only get one time to make a first impression and so we had an event where the ceo was out there i'm not going to show up in a dirty polo and some jeans when the ceo of the company is going to be there like if i want to make a good impression so he probably didn't think twice about it i don't know if he did or not (laughs) you know and it's fine if he didn't but it's just that principle of life like always put your best foot forward kind of thing so I mean, we started getting a haircut before our podcast appearance. 
wear, wear a hard hat, then I take my hard hat off and I got bucket hats. So I got to throw my hat right, on. So, right. so I'll yeah. look presentable. <laughs> I'll be in our, our trailer bathroom over here fixing my hair up. Before the next one watch me. <laughs> I know. I felt bad doing it. I got these like dog treats behind me and I was hoping my dog wouldn't, she's in her kennel right now. So I was hoping she wouldn't make any crazy noise in here, but <laughs> man, you dropped a ton of like little insights, especially for like, you know, people coming out of the military transitioning over or, you know, the um, next generation coming up. Is there anything, any other gold nuggets of wisdom you got that you haven't already given that you'd like to give to the next generation? Uh, you know, when you get where you're going, pay it forward. That's that's one thing I always tell everybody. And that's what I've tried to do. Uh, I'm, you know, I make enough money now to where, and I don't say this in a bad way, but I just, I give away so much, man. And like the little things in life that you do for people, it, uh, the, somebody will take it to, for, you know, somebody will take it and they'll remember those moments forever. So my teachers, when I was a kid, they, for some reason they invested something in me and they gave me a chance and they, you know, they didn't just kick me out of class for being a turd or whatever. Like I was just a, I was a mean little kid and people have given, taken so many chances for me that I always do it for others and um, always pay it forward, man. Like that's one thing we've had these, uh, we'll have like drives at work to raise money for things. And, you know, we were $1,200 short on a, on a thing. And I was like, all right, just here's 1200 bucks. Like let's, let's hit our goal. And, um, you know, nobody knew about it and it, that wasn't my intent for anybody to know, but, you know, people, uh, when you get where you're going, man, you got to pay it forward, man. You can't, I think it's just, it's just a powerful thing to say, like, I have all this money or all this, these nice things. And then you just go and give things away to people, whether it's clothes or money or advice or time, mm -hmm. you know, just pay it forward, man. Cause somebody somebody helped you get where you got. And I know what it's like to be really lost. And, you know, so the way I grew up, you know, so if I can reach out and just drop those little, man, those little like drops of like hope in somebody's lap, you know, hopefully they grow up and, and they'll, they'll think about me the way that I think about my, the people, like even now I've had this time with you guys, you know, and five, 10 years from now, like I, I will always remember the moment, the time that somebody gave me an opportunity to speak and kind of tell my story. And it, and it that's what I talk about with um, when I was offered a, a job, I, I wasn't just offered a, a job. Like when, when Pulte extended me the offer and I've told the VP construction this, and it, like I said, as a man, it probably sounds a little weird, but I sat out in my car and I was like emotional, man. I, I was called my wife and I was like crying in the car because I was like, man, I made it. Like I finally made it. I finally did it. And I was part of a Fortune 500 company, which I, I don't know. I thought that was cool. So I was like, man, I, I made it, you know, and uh, it was a big deal, man. And and I always try to let people know that. I, so I'd say pay it forward and then go back and, and let the people know that they made a big impact on you. Because, you know, people people don't get the roses until it's too late. So. That's true, man. Wow. I appreciate you coming on, Seth, man. <laughs> I thought Kyle was gonna say something no. speechless. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's just it's just so awesome. There, there's been so much good stuff. I mean, your your story's been amazing, and uh, the, the the wisdom. I, I hope listeners hear it and really take it to heart, and um, you know, really apply it. Because I mean, that, that's that's what we need. That, that that's what our next generations in construction need. We 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 need to keep building. Don't tear stuff down. Build. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. Yep. Well, so, I appreciate it, man. So anybody wants to get in touch with you, is LinkedIn the best way to get you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. LinkedIn, uh, as long as you're not trying to sell me life insurance. Uh, <laughs> You've been getting them because I've been sending them all your way. Everyone that comes to me. Oh, yeah, please stop. <laughs> get about 100 of those a day. But, <laughs> but anybody else, yeah, man, I, I promise I will help. It doesn't matter who it is. I will help anybody as long as they reach out and if they're curious about it. Hey Seth, are you interested in franchising? No, I'm kidding. I, I get those on our times a day. Yeah, I put construction yeti like founder in my oh, yeah. thing, and so now yeah. I'm like a business owner. Yeah, and now I have employee tax or employee retention credits all day, every day. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't have any employees, and so I'm good, man. Thank you, but yeah. Well, you know, I, I almost said something to somebody today. She had messaged me. It was about the fourth time she's messaged me in two days. 
and I almost got out of my, you know, I probably shouldn't, I'm glad I didn't say what I was going to say, but then I got to thinking to myself, like, you know what, what was I doing when I was messaging all these people trying to just get a lead, you know? So I was like, you know what? I respect the hustle, but I got, I have uh, financial investors already. So. And I had one, I don't know. He might be listening to this because I sent him the link to this, but he was a guy, you know, helping people build podcasts. Yeah. Says, With your impressive background, you should do a podcast. Yeah. And I was like, if you knew, and I basically responded back. He's like, if you knew my background, you would see I'm doing a podcast. And then he was like, Oh, cool. You have a Spotify link. And so I sent it to him and that was the end of the conversation. But I was like, all right. So, <laughs> anyways, so moral of the story, if you're going to message people on LinkedIn, don't just spam them. Make it, <laughs> make it yeah. worth their time. Right. But Seth, I appreciate it, man. I, I think people are going to get a lot of value out of this conversation and, and, you know, your story and just kind of hearing that, you know, if you do put in the work, I mean, you may be going through a hard time at the moment, but if you keep hustling, putting in the hard work and keep grinding, like, especially construction industry, you can, it can turn your life around. Yep. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like I said, man, you got to kill those giants, man. Those giants are there. You got you to gotta go and get them. Put them on your resume. <laughs> so. I love that part. Anyway, oh. thanks a lot, Seth. Yeah, no problem, guys. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. See you guys. Yeah. All right.